White Pulse Power Company directed energy exports high-speed pulse power products to companies and countries around the world. Our products aren't covered directly by any specific export regulations, but we have to get an end-use disclosure form from every customer for every sale, even domestically. That adds work for my sales team and also for our customers. So over the years, I've worked with four separate export control experts, professionals in the industry, to see if there's a legitimate workaround. And it turns out there isn't. A seemingly control-free product that requires careful export review prior to shipment. Export control law is important and can be difficult to navigate. I'll be sharing three practical actions you can take to get on the road to export compliance. And that's why it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Hi, I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we blend your passion with proven business principles and practical action. This isn't about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about taking those business principles and creating unique solutions that work for you and your business. So uh, getting back to, uh, before we get started on the, on the main topic here, got to move a window. Um, I, I wanted to say that we're, we're settled in at a time. We're going to do these uh, episodes live on Wednesdays at 10 o'clock mountain time. So I hope that you can join us. Um, and I will try to monitor the comments, but I may, we'll see how that works. Um, if, if I don't get to a comment, I will definitely, um, have an email at the end of the show, uh, that you can email if you have a question that I didn't answer. Um, and I can answer it on a future episode. So, uh, other than that, what we're going to cover today, episode 28, export control. We're going to talk about when is it applicable to small business? Um, what's a tangible and an intangible good and how does that, re- um, impact this? And then also what's a deemed export and, uh, three practical actions that you can take to start getting compliant right away. So let's, let's get started. Uh, first and fom- foremost is when is export control uh, uh, important to small business? And the short answer is it's always important to small business because, uh, there is no, you know, there are a lot of laws, um, that if you have less than 50 people, they don't apply or less than 500 million in revenue or something, they don't apply. And so when you're a small business, you have some fluid or some flexibility when there are, um, these, uh, structures and stuff that would put, get put in place that would be cumbersome to a small business to manage. Well, when it comes to export control, those things simply don't exist. If you're going to sell something outside the, the, in our case, the United States, uh, export control law is valid and applicable, whether you are, uh, a, a huge billion dollar company or just you in your basement or garage. So it's really important to understand that it does apply all the time, every time to business that exports outside the, the, in this case, again, the United States. And, um, uh, a lot of countries have very similar, uh, laws. So obviously because I don't have experience with those, we won't be going into those in detail, but, uh, so if you ship a tangible or intangible good out of the country 
you're an exporter by definition. So that's it. When does it apply to small business? All the time. All right. So the next thing we want to talk about is tangible versus intangible goods. So a tangible good, fairly simple idea, right? You're going to have a product that you can uh, put your hands on. They, um, uh, something that you can pick up. My clapperboard, for example, is a tangible product. Um, and so if you ship that outside of, of the country, you're an exporter. An intangible product is where uh, you might get a little bit more, uh, or I shouldn't say be, be, we'd get more confused, but an intangible product, it might be easier to not see it as an export. But if you have a, a, a PDF product and you have it available for sale and someone outside the country purchases it and downloads it, you just exported a product. And so you have to understand what that means and, and does it, is it covered by export control? And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about the actions that you can take to decide to figure out if you're compliant or not. Um, so PDF downloads, plugins for, uh, WordPress, for example, I use WordPress for my website. So is, is that a plugin is a, a downloadable product, um, technical videos, uh, if you have, um, maybe a learning course or something, and you are, are, uh, letting people sign up outside of your own country. Um, and as soon as they do that, they're, you're exporting potentially a product. And so it's really important to understand that, that export control does not only apply to the tangible products. It also applies to non-tangible products or intangible products. So that's very important to understand. The, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about is something called a deemed export. And this gets, this is where people can get, I think, even, uh, where it can be overlooked even more, uh, frequently than the intangible products. And that is if you aren't selling something, but you distribute information to a foreign party, you're an exporter. So if I actually send an email or, um, or conduct a webinar and, and foreign nationals are attending the webinar or receiving that email, that is an export of the information that I've, that I'm providing, whether it's the, the information in the email or the information in that webinar. So that's huge because we don't always think about the fact that our communications can be considered an export. And it's really important because if you're exporting a technology product, you could actually be uh, subject to laws you don't, you're not really thinking about. And so I want to make sure that, that it's clear that export control always applies to small business. And anytime we send something of any value, whether it's information or a product overseas or even outside the country, um, that's considered an export and could be controlled. Now that doesn't mean it is controlled. It simply means that you could be in a situation where that information should be controlled for export. And that's what we're going to talk about, um, in the next section is how we're going to get compliant. Um, oh, I hit my wrong camera. Boom. Um, 
So I'm sorry, I've been looking off camera this whole time because I thought I did a different one. That's live. What can you do? All right, so let's legit switch to my other camera and we'll talk to that one. So <laughs> um, there's, there's three things that we're going to talk about here. And one of them is knowing yourself and your product. The second one is knowing your customers. And the third is understanding end use. And if you can get those three things under control, you'll have a really good chance to get compliant. And it's not going to be 100%. And if there's any question in your mind, if you're shipping a product or information outside of the country, I would strongly recommend that you engage somebody who really does know the, the export control law and, and get them to look at your product and, and services and whatever else you might export and tell you where you fit. And, and maybe they'll tell you everything is uncontrolled and you don't have to worry about it, which would be great. Um, at least from a structural standpoint, a, a business standpoint, it makes your life a little easier. Um, or they might tell you, well, actually you've got some work to do and, and then they can guide you on the path. Uh, so the first thing is to understand or know yourself, know your own products. And I'm going to switch to um, uh, a screen capture here. So we're going to, uh-oh, oh, here we go. All right, so we're going to do this and we're going to go over here. All right, so what you can see here is the... Um, Commerce control list. This is how we begin to understand ourselves. Okay, so we're going to take a look at uh, where do our products and services fall in the export control universe. And th this, um, you have to start, I, I, there's no way in a 20-minute or 30-minute podcast I can explain the full breadth and depth of the commerce control list. Uh, but basically you have to find there. This list has um, general categories and actually to some degree, very specific categories of product and, and, and uh, product uh, concepts that, or, or uh, descriptions that you can decide if you fit in that category. So if you look, you know, um, do you do electronics? Well, in the case of, for example, I, I mentioned directed energy uh, earlier on in the podcast we do electronics. So then you would say, okay, that section probably applies to me, uh, first and, or sensors and lasers. Well, directed energy does make laser diode drivers. So do we fit under the laser category? So I might have to do research in two of these categories and, um, we'll very quickly, I'll go ahead and click this and you'll see, so you can start digging in, um, to, to the list and figure out, all right, now I can actually read what the government has decided the criteria are to, uh, to be in any specific category. Um, again, uh, I can't describe how this whole thing is going to work in, in 30 minutes, but this is where you have to start. And the link will be in the show notes on the beyond 50% website. So 
you will definitely be able to find uh, this, uh, both this document and this website here um, with the link that I'll provide in just a few minutes. So, um, so let's go back to here. And so the next thing, so we want to understand what our ECCN is. That's the code that the ex that is used to determine the applicability of your export control. Um, and that link, the link that I'm going to, to put in the show notes will take you to that page where you can find out what, what the status is for your products. And you may find that they're uncontrolled and you have nothing to worry about. Um, but, uh, but you may find it, it's, there's a lot there and you might find that there's stuff you have to, to, uh, be concerned with. So that's important. It can take some time. I would encourage patients and, um, get an outside expert if you're uncertain, uh, in your interpretation. Okay. It's very important that you, you have that, um, that you get that right, at least at the beginning. And you don't need to necessarily have somebody on hand, uh, you know, at your beck and call all the time to, for every situation, but having somebody come in and help you put your structure in place would be, uh, uh, potentially very helpful if you have any question at all about, um, where you fit on that. So the next thing we're going to do, we've got ourselves. we figured out what ECCN code uh, applies to our business. What's the next step? Well, we have to understand our customers. And so to do that, we're going to go ahead and go back to here and we're going to uh, go to the next place, which is the consolidated screening list. And this uh, website allows you to put in the names of uh, and addresses of uh, customers, your the person's name or the company name. And it is really important that you use this if you're going to export a product overseas. Now, there are some embargoed countries that you simply can't um, uh sell to from in most cases at, from the United States, um, Iran, North Korea, Syria, Sudan, there's a few more. Um, and, and that list it tends to be fairly static, but it can change. So it's important to look those up as well. But here you can find out if a company has been listed as someone we shouldn't be selling to. If, if, uh, the federal government believes that they support, terrorism or, or proliferation of nuclear weapons or other activities like that, uh, that are, are prohibited, then that will give you the opportunity to make sure that the customer that you're looking for is not on the list. The customer that wants to buy from you is not on the list. And I'll, um, I'll share with you a, a couple of times we've had the, um, Homeland Security and the FBI visit us on a couple of occasions, um, not in an investigative, uh, standpoint, but, uh, look, talking about specific customers that have come up on their radar. And, uh, because we, we, you know, the name directed energy and also the, um, the fact that we sell pulsed power products that can be used for high power lasers and other high power applications, um, kind of, it gets their attention, right? So, uh, we have had them visit a couple of times and, uh, they, just, you know, they're, they're just doing their job. They come in, they say, here's the company that we're having concerns with. Have you ever had any interaction with them? And, um, uh, you know, it's, 
important to obviously be straightforward and, and uh, upfront about it, but also learn from them. You know, as soon as you answer their questions, say, what else can we be doing? You know, how else can we help uh, make sure that we're always doing the right thing? Um, because this is trouble you do not want to get in as a small business owner. Um, and, and generally speaking, I found that they're all, uh, very pleasant to work with. Um, and I've never had any trouble. Uh, if somebody comes up on this screening list at directed energy, we always submit those names to, uh, the, the appropriate authority and say, you know, this person was trying to buy a pulsar from us. Um, and, and make sure that that's a, uh, that that gets, well, I can't say I make sure it gets followed up on, but we submit the information to the relevant authority, uh, to make sure that we're doing our part to keep, uh, to keep those, uh, uh, to keep that information away from people that really shouldn't have it or those products away from people that shouldn't have it and allow the, the, uh, government agencies to do their jobs. So this is the, the consolidated screening list, and this is how uh, you make sure that you're doing your part to not sell to people or companies who have been listed as um, uh, people we shouldn't be selling to um, and uh, keep yourself out of trouble. Um, if somebody comes up on this list, and it happens, that they might have a name that is very similar to someone else. It could be spelled differently. It could be spelled exactly the same. Um, and they could come up and we've had this happen a couple of times. We had a, a gentleman try to buy something from, uh, from overseas whose name, when we put it in here came up as, you know, uh, uh, someone we weren't supposed to sell to. We did contact them and they said, well, that can't possibly be me. Okay. And we went through an exercise of saying, you need to identify why this isn't you. And we need to verify with, you know, Homeland or whoever that we can sell to you. Um, and this, you know, this might sound restrictive, but again, this is not trouble you want as a small business owner. And so you have to be careful that those that you're selling to people who are legitimate. And yes, it can put a barrier in your sales process when you're dealing with overseas customers. Um, that's part of the cost of doing business. That's just the way it is. So, um, the, the next step is, uh, uh, let's go back to here and, um, uh, let's do this guy. All right. And so the next thing that we're going to look at is the end use and, there are a few very specific end uses that are going to give you trouble every time. Uh, nuclear weapon use, biological weapon use, and um, nuclear biologic uh, weapon use. Um, nucle oh, and weapons manufacturing, right? Okay, so um, that was pretty pretty easy. So those things are going to require export control no matter what. And that's understandable, right? So uh, for us, we have what we call an end-use disclosure form. And that's just a form that we ask customers to fill out. And I think I, I, I mentioned this in the intro. This is a customer or a, a product a form that we have to have customers fill out every time for every sale. 
And that's because of the nature of our products. Now, our products are EAR99. And when you go through your process of learning about where your products fall in the export control world, a lot of you are going to find that they are EAR99, which means no license required in most cases. But if there is the potential for your products to be used in, in uh, uh, ways that might relate to some of those things, nuclear, radiological, um, biological, and, and weapons manufacturing, if you can be related to those in, in any way, you're going to find that, that the government's going to ask you to kind of step up and say, all right, let's, um, let's control these things. So, or at least maybe we don't control them, but let's get an end-use disclosure to keep ourselves set. Um, so yes, if you, if you're thinking to yourself right now, I send a form to somebody, they can fill out whatever they want and send it back to me. How do I know they're telling the truth? Well, the reality is you don't. Okay. I mean, if it's a long-term relationship that you've been working with somebody forever and, and you know them, maybe you know that. Um, but that's really not the point. It, our job as an exporter is to do our due diligence. And so we can send a form to somebody and yes, they can fill it out however they want. Um, but they're signing it saying, this is the truth. We're not going to use it for nuclear weapons. We're not going to use it for biological weapons. We're not going to use it for standard weapon manufacture or whatever. Um, and, and you can't control any further than that. So, um, and, and the government doesn't expect you to. We're expected to do the the due diligence of saying, you know, what are you going to do with this and making sure that that we get that form back. We can't control every outcome and that's understood, um, but you do need to do what you can. And that's, you know, that's important. So um, we have an export com- control form. Now, I was going to put it as, as a download link in the show notes. I'm not going to do that because it it is full of legal language and I don't want to give the impression that that legal language is appropriate for every situation in every company. Uh, I don't want it used as a template. I, I'm, I'm all about prov- providing templates where I can, stuff that people can reuse and utilize. Um, in this case, it simply isn't uh, appropriate. But you can find language on the government's export control website. And uh, certainly, if you talk to a compliance expert, you can find the language that works for you and your situation. Um, but the form is very simple. It says, you know, it's just check boxes that say you're not going to, are you going to use this for, uh, nuclear power? Are you going to use it for nuclear weapons? Are you going to use it for biological warfare? Are you going to use it for, uh, weapons manufacture or whatever? Um, and as long as they don't check any, or they check no, and then they sign it saying this is the truth. And, uh, we also ask the destination country, the end, the country of end use, um, and then that's it. So uh, one note on the country of end use is for the purposes of me as an exporter, the country of end use is the country of the person who's going to pay the bill. Okay. So if you do have an intermediary, let's say I'm selling to someone in France, but I'm selling through a distributor or a representative in, in uh, Great Britain, uh, the person in Great Britain who's paying the bill knows that it's going to France, they should disclose that to me and say, Hey, it's going to a customer in France. If the customer, if they're going to resell it, but they don't necessarily know, let's say they're a stocking distributor 
and they just carry them on the shelf. So I'm going to ship it to my distributor in Germany and they're going to hold it until they find a buyer. They're just going to say it's going to our warehouse in Germany. And that's fine too, because Germany and the United States and a lot of countries in the United States have export control agreements so that if that German distributor sells it, they're under the same requirements as we would be in selling that, that product outside of Germany. So they still can't sell it to an embargoed country, a country embargoed by the United States, and they can't sell it to someone who's going to uh, use it to make weapons or, or nuclear power or whatever. So um, there is a, a certain layer of information you need, but you don't need all the information all the time, as long as you're following the law and the guidelines that are presented in the websites. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, let me get back to doing the, all right. And then we go here. So there are a couple of websites I wanted to touch on. Um, and these will also, there'll be show notes, uh, uh, or links in the show notes for each of these sites. I think there's a total of six links, three of which we've already looked at the, um, consolidated, uh, or the commerce control list, the consolidated screening, uh, list, and then, um, the, uh, uh, oh, this one we haven't quite talked about is, is the electronic code of federal regulations, which talks about the end use disclosure, um, which I just covered. So this is, uh, a lot of information. I'll have a link in the show notes, but basically it goes through here and says, okay, what's prohibited? We got nuclear end uses, scroll down here and you have rocket systems, uh, launch vehicles, um, biological weapons and other, um, and, and then the people that, uh, people or countries and companies that we can't, um, that we can't sell to. So, and there are a lot of, of regulations that you have to be aware of uh, if you get categorized into uh, a, a category that requires uh, that kind of control. So going back to the websites that I want to distribute, th these are the last three links that will be in the show notes are a little more general and will provide you a um, some, some um, dashboards, if you will, to get more information and try to get your head around uh, what it means to be an exporter, at least in the United States. And so, uh, the first one is the Bureau of Industry and, and Security here. This website has, uh, as you can see, it's got, uh, a nice, um, new to exporting section. The consolidated screening list is an immediate link here. Uh, and then an exporter portal where you can figure out, uh, where you can get more information about exporting. Um, this is a great place to start. Uh, there's in the new to exporting, uh, location, there are, uh, some videos about export, um, there, uh, uh, so they have good information and, and can be helpful. The next thing I wanted to, to show you, and I, I do, again, I have this on, uh, on a link is the U S export controls, uh, website from, uh, uh, trade.gov. And this can go through uh, a couple of things, you know, export licensing. So once, if you decide that you actually do have to have an export license, how the heck do you go about that, right? Well, here we go. You can find out right there. 
um, how to deal with e- or how to get ECCN and 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 EAR99. What do those mean? And how do you find out more? And determining your ECCN. Those are all links that you'll find on this uh, page to help you um, make sure that you've categorized your product properly, and so you can follow the correct procedures and laws uh, when you're trying to distribute outside the country. And then finally, um, there's kind of a general uh, information page uh, also on trade.gov, but more more specifically in export solutions, where I've li- I linked it so that you can find out more um, and learn how to export, look at foreign marketplaces. This is kind of more a business page to help you determine if exporting is right for you and what are some of the things you need to think about. Um, uh, so there's helpful information here that is more business related and less compliance related, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to make sure that uh, you had the opportunity to look at that. So, uh, all right, let's get back to the camera here. And so what, what should we do um, if we, if for, for our practical action, what are we going to do to get compliant? Well, the first thing we have to say is, do you ship or distribute outside the United States? If you don't, uh, and you don't have any reasonable reason to believe that somebody buys your products and exports them. Now, if you know for a fact they're buying your products and exporting them, you need to do some research on that. If you know for a fact that you're selling to end customers and they aren't exporting, uh, you probably don't need to worry too much about this. If they're using your product in another product and exporting, you need to dig a little deeper. So it's not just direct export, it's inclusion and export. So if you're providing a, a, a component for a larger assembly and that assembly is being exported, yes, that manufacturer is required to comply with export control law, but you need to make sure that your component does not present a compliance issue for the manufacturer or for yourself. And, and, uh, so that's something to be aware of. Um, but if you don't export, if your products are not used in something that goes overseas or you're not directly, uh, and I, by overseas over border, um, and, and your, or your, uh, customers are not, uh, overseas or over border, then you probably don't need to worry too much about it. If they are, then you need to go through this three-step process that I talked about before. You need to understand your product code. What's your ECCN? Are you EAR 99? Are you completely uncontrolled? You need to figure that out. You need to understand that. And as we talked about, EAR 99 is not always a free pass to avoid export control or export uh, processes. So in our case, we have to have an export control form or an end use disclosure form for every single product. Um, So don't fall into the EAR 99 end use trap. You need to make sure if you, if you need to understand end use, you need to pay attention to that end use and, and destination country. Um, so, uh, we just talked about that. Okay. Uh, I'm just going through my notes to make sure I cover everything on that. Um, and again, if you have any questions, consult, uh, uh, an export control, pr- uh, 
expert in your in your area. And if there is uh, somebody that can provide you information about a specific, if they have a specific expertise, electronics or IP or something like that, it might be important. Uh, IP being intellectual property, it might be a good idea to to find that expert in your area versus just general uh, a generalist. Um, so we talked a little bit about directed energies uh, concerns, um, and I, I'm not going to rehash that, but um, uh, we do we are a perfect example of a company with an EAR99 product that still has to manage export control expectations. And, uh, and it does, you know, I'll be frank with you when, when we tell a customer, especially a new customer that they have to fill out this form and, um, you know, even overseas, they'll, you know, most of them in the electronics industry, especially in the niche industries that we work with, they understand the form. They've seen them from other companies or whatever. Um, domestic customers really don't understand. They're like, we're not, and you're not exporting. Why do I have to fill this out? So you do have to manage some, some, uh, or, or, uh, have some patience with those customers and understand that this is not new to them. Not every vendor is asking them to do this. Um, you know, and, and it, have some patience with them and work with them on it. Um, the, uh, I, I think at the beginning of the episode, I, I talked a little bit about, I, I talked to four different people, four different export control experts to see if the, there was really no way that we could avoid that paperwork because it does put a, uh, an extra barrier to our, our purchasing. Um, and every single one of them said, there's no, there is no other way. And so consequently we do it. Um, you know, it can be a hassle, but you've got to do it right. Because like I said, the consequences are not something you want as a small business. Um, and, and you can look for export control violation, uh, consequences on the web, but, um, it's just a hassle you don't need. Right. So let's, let's fix it on the front end. Um, so my thoughts are, are, are this basically find out where your ECCN is or what it is, or if it is, um, look for, um, even if you're EAR 99 or, or, or no license required, um, you still need to make sure that you don't have to do anything else. Find out where you sit in that category. Now, if you're an exporter, you're going to need to know your customers. So you need to go to that consolidated screening website and make sure that when you're shipping, you're not shipping to someone you're not supposed to be. Um, and they don't, it's not very hard. You just, go put in their name and the company name or whatever, and, and you'll figure it out. But, um, but it's also very important because they're, they, um, you need to make sure you're not doing that. Um, and then finally, uh, end use disclosure, make sure that if you, if it's necessary, uh, you're getting that end, end use disclosure information, uh, so that, um, uh, you have the paper trail, the documentation to say, even if your products are EA or 99 or not required, uh, no license required that you did the right thing on your side. All right. So like I said, I've got five or six links. It looks like five links that I'll put in the show notes that should help you get the, the information. We went through those web pages. Um, 
And for those of you listening to the audio podcast, uh, go ahead and, and uh, head over to uh, beyond50percent.com. It'll be b50p.info forward slash uattr028 will be the show notes for this particular episode when I get it up. And uh, check those out, and those will be available to you. Uh, what's next? So next week, I so I follow a whole bunch of um, videographers and photographers, and uh, you know every one of them. So this is really interesting, actually. Um, when you're doing, uh, you're looking into how to do video live streaming or or um, audio podcast or something, you try to learn from other people and. And every single one of these people, whether it's a podcaster or a photographer or a videographer, every single one of them has a what's in my gear bag, uh, video. And, um, you know, and I thought, so next week, uh, I'm going to do a what's in my camera bag, gear bag episode, not for my camera stuff, but for how do I do business? You know, what am I carrying around as a business person? not as a photographer, not as a videographer, but as a business person, what do I carry around and why? And, um, I thought it'd be a little funner episode than, you know, I've been doing some, some kind of heavy stuff this past couple of weeks. Um, and I wanted to do something a little lighter and honestly, I haven't done enough research to do the next, uh, more formal episode. So I thought we'd have a little fun with it next week and I will, uh, just pick up my backpack. And we'll go through it. So spoiler alert, I don't carry a briefcase. I carry a backpack. Um, and we'll go through what's in it and why I carry that. Um, and, uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, and I've got some, some stuff I really like using or I use fairly regularly. So I think, uh, that'll be valuable. Um, that's it. Uh, thank you for watching. Uh, if you can, you can subscribe to the B50P YouTube channel. Um, somewhere there's a little, di little subscription button. Um, and also uh, hit that little bell so you can get notified if we're doing a new show or um, uh, or if we go live. You can you can check that out. Uh, see beyond50percent.com uh, for the show notes for this episode to get those links. Um, and also I'll have a summary of the episode there as well. Um, and again, that will be UA or uh, excuse me b50p.info forward slash uattr028. Um, I will also have that in the show notes underneath this video for people who watch the live stream, uh, after the fact, uh, can you use a hand developing or implementing business improvements? Uh, that's what we do. So, uh, call me at 970-218-2018 or email at go.beyond at b50p.com or visit the website, obviously at beyond50percent.com. We'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions or topic suggestions that you want to suggest or, or ask, uh, go ahead and send them to q.a at b50p.com. And uh, questions that come in, I will answer in a future video uh, or episode. Um, and topic suggestions, obviously, I'll put in the queue and uh, try to get those uh, integrated into the schedule. Finally, I'd like to thank you for watching today and uh, look forward to talking to you in the future.